Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hello and welcome to Pro-Life Primetime News. Today is Friday, October 20th. I'm Leslie Palmer. And I'm Teresa Watson. We're so happy to have you with us tonight. In our top story, we'll revisit the controversies surrounding the abortion pill, Mifepristone, and talk with a Texas pro-life activist who is adamant that the deadly drug should not be sold by national pharmacy chains. In political news in a nutshell, Teresa will report on the continuing race for Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives and tell you about a surprise victory for a Republican governor in Louisiana. In abortion in the news, Leslie will report on a waste disposal company that has been generating electricity from burning the bodies of aborted babies and pop star Britney Spears' bombshell revelation about the abortion she had with singer Justin Timberlake. We'll close with a video from 40 Days for Life, whose 92-year-old volunteer is retiring from the sidewalk. Please stay with us. The U.S. Supreme Court this week released a list of cases the justices will review this term, as well as cases that will not be heard by the high court. But an abortion case that has divided the nation did not appear on the order list this time around, meaning the wait continues to find out if the Supreme Court will dive into the consequential case surrounding the abortion drug Mifepristone. The Supreme Court is being asked to decide of the legality of changes the Federal Food and Drug Administration made in 2016 and 2021 in the way the drug is administered and how long into pregnancy it can be taken. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals in May agreed with a district court judge who put a hold on the FDA's decision to extend use of the drug from seven weeks into pregnancy to 10 weeks and allowing it to be prescribed by telemedicine and then shipped through the mail but the Fifth Circuit's order was put on hold until the Supreme Court weighs in. Recently, we told you about a young mother in Nevada who died after a chemical abortion, although a lawsuit brought by her husband and son does not blame the abortion itself for the death of Aliana Dixon, instead faulting the inaction of the first hospital she went to for help with heavy bleeding. Mifepristone continues to be prescribed by telemedicine and sent through the mail in states where that is legal. Also, 19 pharmacies in nine states have begun selling the drug, while the larger pharmacy chains like Walgreens and CVS are making plans to do so. Spokesmen for both chains told Ms. Magazine last week they are still finalizing their certifications and intend to sell the deadly drug in states according to federal and state laws. Protests have taken place outside many Walgreens and CVS locations across the country. And this evening, we've invited John Pichotta, to join us. He's a retired economics professor at Baylor University and the founder of Pro-Life Waco in Texas. And he has been leading outreaches outside of CVS in that city since March. His final one at that location was today as CVS has announced it will close that store. Welcome to the show, John. It's great to be here. So John, why was it important for Pro-Life Waco to be involved in this issue since Texas is virtually abortion free already? Well, I'm not really responding as a Texan here. Uh, I'm responding as an American and a Wacoan. Uh, so these two, uh, Walgreens and uh, CDS, they have made their decision that they want to be part of the abortion industry and uh, pres- uh, filling prescriptions for the uh, chemical abortions. 
So I'm, I'm responding as an American and as a way going, I, I, this is awful that this, this has happened, whether no matter what happens in Texas. And as a way going, I have to say, well, what can I do about it? Well, this is my hometown. Uh, we get out in public square action. So that that's what we did. And, and with really twin goals, we, we certainly want to challenge CVS. We're gratified that this particular uh, store will be closing. But we also want to do public square outreach to bring a pro-life message to the public where, where they didn't necessarily expect it so that uh, people in Central Texas know that abortion is not okay. So John, tell us what goes on at an outreach? Well, it's a pretty active occasion. Uh, we, we have a very advantageous corner uh, in terms of traffic flow. And we're out there holding signs. Uh, we you know, typically uh, have uh, 10 to 20 people out and uh, very readable signs, that's very important. We also are able, they uh, conveniently gave us a grassy area where we can insert yard signs. So we, we, we do that as well. And then we have a billboard truck named Carolyn and we have that truck park uh, near, nearby. In addition to the signs, we also, this is educational. We have a, a flyer on uh, chemical abortion. And so we, we have the, uh, especially on one, one side of the traffic flow, an opportunity to uh, pass out and briefly talk to uh, people in, in automobiles. And then we also trying to engage customers. And in addition to explaining about uh, chemical abortion and all its horrors, uh, we're also use this as public square outreach to uh, take advantage of the situation to let thousands of Wacoans know that abortion is an abomination. Well, what kinds of reactions do you get from people walking or driving by or going into or coming out of CVS? Well, for those who react, it's overwhelmingly positive, uh, uh, at least five to one, at least five to one. Uh, we, we do have some uh, uh, negative. Uh, uh, there's there's positive hand signs and there's negative sign, hand signs. <laughs> and and, and we, we, we get both. But I think the big point here is that most people do not give any response at all. And these are the people in the middle that haven't made up their mind. They don't really don't know what they think. They really don't. Sometimes they don't even want to think about abortion. And so uh, this is an opportunity uh, to bring the message out to people uh, in, in our community. We do this. We've done this once a month. Wow. So that particular store is about to close. Is that the end of your outreach or are you going to be showing up at other pharmacies? No, it's not the end of our outreach. No way. <laughs> we're, in for, we're in for the long term. We'll be back in December at a location to be determined. I uh, have a great one in, in mind. And uh, so uh, we'll, we'll keep this message uh, out. We want to engage our community uh, uh, broadly. And, and there, there are other locations. I think we picked first the best location. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, there, there are other locations. And and uh, we, we, we will definitely go on. All right, so you've used the term public square a couple times. So before we let you go, please give us a quick pitch about why it's so important for pro-lifers to get out into the public square. Well, public square outreach is about tilling, tilling the soil for a bountiful harvest. Not immediately, but you, you gotta till before you harvest. And so we're out there communicating in a variety of ways. And we wanna till the soil, not, not in just a corner of the field, we have the whole field. That's the key to public square outreach is a broad cross-section of people in the pro-life choir, our opponents, but most importantly, those in the middle that haven't made up their mind. We're, we're in a difficult situation politically. I'm, I'm, I'm very concerned about Ohio. And when we get out and try to do, do the best we can, and we all have to be involved in this, 
then, uh, you know, as we change hearts and minds and souls, we also change votes. And hopefully we can we can do better in the political arena and and uh, keep this pro-life movement uh, going strongly. Well, John, we thank you so much for everything you're doing for life and certainly for focusing on these dangerous abortion pills. Uh, we hope you'll come back and uh, keep us updated on your work. Well, Leslie and Teresa, I'd love to come back and keep up the good work there. Thank right. you. Thank you so much. Good night, John. Good night. A Baltimore-based medical waste disposal company that was found to be burning aborted babies for energy was fined $1.7 million after pleading guilty to more than 40 charges related to environmental violations. Curtis Bay Medical Waste Services collects the bodies of aborted babies in about 10 states along the East Coast. The pro-life group Created Equal first found out about Curtis Bay incinerating aborted babies. In third world countries, they throw abandoned babies in mass graves and landfills, said Mark Harrington, president and founder of Created Equal. In America, we are much more sophisticated, but just as barbaric. We kill babies by doctors in surgical centers, and medical waste companies dispose of them by burning them for electricity. It doesn't get any sicker than this. Illinois Governor Jay Pritzker has launched an advocacy group called Think Big America to raise money for abortion advocates who want to amend their state's constitutions to invent a right to abortion. Pritzker is one of several Democrat governors who seem to be trying to one-up each other to show how passionately they support abortion. A spokeswoman for Think Big America told the New York Times the group already is providing financial and strategic support to the ballot campaigns in Ohio, Arizona, and Nevada, including putting members on advisory boards, helping to develop messaging, and analyzing polls. Pritzker is currently the sole funder for the group, but he declined to say how much he has contributed. This week in Celebrity Abortion, we've heard from two famous women who were convinced to abort their children by men too cowardly to accept the responsibilities of fatherhood. In her just-released autobiography, 90-year-old British actress Joan Collins, best known for portraying Alexis Carrington on the 1980s primetime soap opera Dynasty, said actor Warren Beatty had a terrible reaction when his then-fiancé Collins told him she was pregnant in the early 1960s. Beatty said a baby would be bad for both of their careers. Looking back, Collins said she agrees with him and that if she had a baby, she wouldn't have gone on to have her three children with two now ex-husbands. She did not explain how letting her first child live would have impacted her future children. And in the week's major bombshell, pop star Britney Spears revealed in her new memoir that she got pregnant during her relationship with Justin Timberlake 20 years ago, but the singer told her he wasn't ready to be a father, so she aborted their child. Spears wrote in the book, If it had been left up to me alone, I never would have done it, and yet Justin was so sure that he didn't want to be a father. Spears now has two sons with ex-husband Kevin Federline, and Timberlake has two sons with his wife of 11 years, actress Jessica Biel. Pregnancy resource centers in New Jersey are outraged by the comments of a New Jersey congressman who wants to shut them down. Democrat Representative Josh Gottheimer wants to close the centers that he describes as, quote, brainwashing cult clinics. Lighthouse Pregnancy Resource Center and the New Jersey Consortium of Pregnancy Centers have come out with a joint statement in response, saying they are outraged by the inflammatory false comments made against them. Debbie Provencher, executive director of Lighthouse, said she would like to meet with the congressman to set him straight about the work of facilities like hers. 72% of voters in San Antonio on Saturday rejected a measure called the Justice Charter that would have decriminalized marijuana possession and abortion, expanded the city's site and release program, created a new justice director position, and embedded bans on chokeholds and no-knock warrants in the city charter. We are tremendously pleased to see that San Antonio voters have defeated Prop A so decisively, said Amy O'Donnell, Communications Director for Texas Alliance for Life. 
Prop A would have been tragic for unborn children and victims of trafficking who would have been left without the protection from abortion they deserve by San Antonio police. Also Saturday, pro-abortion mayor Ron Nirenberg easily won re-election. And in more news from San Antonio, pro-life groups have filed a lawsuit against the city, claiming they are being made to pay for abortion against their will. The city has set aside $500,000 for fiscal year 2024 to provide grants to organizations that pay the travel costs of pregnant women who leave the state to kill their unborn children. Texas Right to Life and the San Antonio Family Association are the lead plaintiffs in a case that also has the support of the Republican Party of Bear County and the Bear Conservatives. And finally, Life News reported this week that a Planned Parenthood abortionist once profiled as having killed 31 babies in one day was among the nominees for the European Union's top human rights award, the Sakharov Prize for Freedom of Thought. Colleen McNicholas, Planned Parenthood's chief medical officer for the St. Louis region, was among three women jointly nominated for fighting for free, safe, and legal abortion. Happily, when the awards were announced yesterday, the pro-aborts were not chosen. The winner was Masha Amini, who died in police custody in Iran after being arrested for not wearing a headscarf. And that's Abortion in the News. At the top of political news this week, Representative Jim Jordan failed Wednesday on the second ballot to secure enough votes to become House Speaker leaving the lower chamber without a leader as Republicans' path forward remained unclear. Some Republicans, including two former GOP House speakers, on Wednesday indicated they want the lower chamber to increase the power of Representative Patrick McHenry, the speaker pro tempore. One key Republican source texts CBS News after the vote that all roads lead to McHenry. But any effort to empower McHenry would likely require support from House Democrats, with some saying they favor a vote to expand his authority to allow for consideration of a limited legislative agenda. House Democrats on Wednesday uniformly voted for their leader, Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries. House Republicans are expected to huddle to hash out what they'll do next. A narrow gag order has been imposed against Donald Trump by the federal judge overseeing the 2020 election interference case, barring the Republican former president from making statements targeting prosecutors, possible witnesses, and court staff. The order from U.S. District Judge Tanya Chutkin marks a milestone moment in the federal case that accuses Trump of illegally conspiring to overturn his 2020 election loss to Democrat Joe Biden. The order may end a line of attack that Trump has made central to his campaign for the 2024 GOP presidential nomination. But it may be only the beginning of an unprecedented fight over what limits can be placed on the speech of a defendant who is also campaigning for America's highest public office. Pro-life gubernatorial candidate Jeff Landry won his election Saturday night, flipping the Democratic state to Republican. Landry, the state's attorney general, replaces Governor John Bell Edwards, a pro-life Democrat who could not seek re-election due to term limits. This is the first time Louisiana has had a Republican governor in eight years. Today's election says that our state is united, Landry said in his victory speech. It's a wake-up call and it's a message that everyone should hear loud and clear, that we the people in this state are going to expect more out of our government from here on out. By winning more than half the votes, Landry avoided a runoff. Republicans were eager to regain control in a state that voted for Trump in the 2020 presidential election by nearly 20 points. 
it appears that Alexa, the virtual assistant's opinion, is easily swayed. Her initial response when questioned by the Washington Post about the 2020 vote and if it was rigged would have definitely pleased Donald Trump. The device answered that it was, quote, stolen by a massive amount of election fraud. The virtual assistant also told the probing reporters that the election was notorious for many incidents of irregularities and indications pointing to electoral fraud taking place in major metro centers. But after the Post was finished updating Alexa with their information and told her no voting issues had been found by multiple courts, Alexa changed her tune and said the election had not been stolen at all. Amazon executives were reportedly aghast at the Post story and raced to fix the issue with their technology and assure Alexa users that they are constantly updating the software to ensure accuracy. The 2020 election that Trump lost to Joe Biden continues to be a contentious issue that divides people in the United States. Almost 70% of Republicans believe the election was rigged and that Trump really won, according to a poll by CNN in August. And finally, Allie Phillips announced recently she's running for the Democratic nomination for Tennessee's House of Representatives District 75 a seat established last year and currently held by Republican Representative Jeff Burkhart. A lifelong Tennessean, the 28-year-old Phillips says her experience trying to access what she refers to as a medically necessary abortion in the state pushed her to run. Phillips was 19 weeks pregnant last year when doctors told her the baby, a girl, had a fatal condition. After the fall of Roe, Tennessee enacted a law protecting most babies from abortion, including those with life-limiting li life di diagnoses. Phillips went to New York to abort her daughter, whose heart had already stopped beating. Because of the trauma Tennessee's ban has caused me, I have been dedicating my time to trying to change their bar barbaric law, she said in an announcement video. I met with my representative only to find out how out of touch these politicians truly are. That is why I am now running for the Tennessee State House of Representatives, District 75. The primary election for this spot will be held August 1st, 2024. And that's political news in a nutshell. We reported on the start of another 40 Days for Life campaign a few weeks ago with our guest, Sean Carney, co-founder and president. This week, 40 Days honored a longtime volunteer in Clearwater, Florida, and we'd like to honor her too. Joan Malloy is 92 years old and is passionate about pro-life. She recently let 40 Days organizers know she is going to retire from the sidewalk and she certainly deserves a rest. In 40 Days video blog, Sean talks about this tiny but mighty pro-life warrior. Let's have a look. As we are in the midst of the largest 40 Days for Life campaign ever in 681 cities, we see a world that is extremely broken. We see the barbaric and devastating acts of Hamas against our friends in Israel. We see the persecution of Jews and the continued hatred and accepted hatred of Jews in Israel. Uh, we see persecution from our own government here, from the DOJ, uh, from the first time in our, our nation's history in response to Roe being overturned. Uh, abortion has become a sacrament for so many departments in our government. And today, I wanted to share something that we did behind the scenes at 40 Days for Life that I thought, you know, it's good timing for good news. So I wanted to share this with you. Recently, we honored one of our longtime volunteers. 
Joan comes to us from Clearwater, Florida. She is 92 years old. Way to go, Joan. I hope we, hope we can all make it that long. She is 92. She raised nine children and first started volunteering uh, for a pregnancy center uh, way back in the early 90s. And then in 1999, she first started going out and praying at her local abortion facility. Now, as 40 Days for Life was then birthed and spread nationally, it went to Clearwater, Florida in 2008. And to no one's surprise, Joan signed up to be the church leader for 40 Days for Life at her parish. And she did that very, very well. And people were so in awe of her dedication and her passion for the unborn. The only time they wanted to go out to the 40 Days for Life vigil was when Joan herself was out there praying. So she solved their problem. And she signed up to be out there from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. every single day. And she has done that for a number of years. And at the age of 92, she recently uh, informed us that she was retiring from the sidewalks. And retirement, she uh, definitely, definitely deserves. So uh, we recently uh, honored her. And if you want to know the secret, because we, we do have a lot of division in our world. We have a lot of uh, fatigue. I think we, we uh, fortitude is a virtue that, that Christians struggle with these days because there just seems to be an onslaught of secularism. So we asked Joan what the secret was, what got her through this all these decades. And she said, God asked me to go out there and pray, so I did. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's, that's the secret. It doesn't get any simpler than that. You know, we complicate a lot of things in our world. We can complicate things, uh, certainly in, in the, the culture war and in the realm of the pro-life movement. But Joan gives us a beautiful and simple example. Finding the time in the midst of helping her children and her, her grandchildren, um, she has always uh, had a special place in her heart for the unborn and encouraged others to have a special place in their heart uh, as well. So uh, congratulations, Joan. I, I hope you get to enjoy your retirement from uh, the sidewalks. Please pray for all of us. And I hope that all of you uh, watching this or, or those of you who have met Joan, she's been around a long time in Florida, um, are inspired, are inspired by her example, are inspired by her tenacity and her willingness to overcome herself, I'm sure, thousands and thousands of times, and put others first. So uh, thank you, Joan, ultimately, for the beautiful Christian example that you have given to all of us. Thank you so much for joining us on Pro-Life Primetime News, produced at Priest for Life headquarters in Titusville, Florida. If you like our show, please support us by making a donation to ProLifeGift.org. These donations help fund all of our work here at Priests for Life, which enables us to continue educating, equipping, and activating God's people to end abortion. For all your pro-life news updates during the week, please follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter, at ProLife News Show. I'm Teresa Watson, Executive Manager. I'm Leslie Palma, Communications Director. Remember, life is the only choice. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.